To me, fashion is about storytelling. It's my medium of art and the way that I want to express this narrative that has existed in America through fashion is by showing who are these outsiders kind of living on the periphery that have been here for a very long time. And they've come to a point where, you know, second, third, fourth generations in, and they're still excluded from this narrative. Hello, and welcome to Art Restart, where we explore how artists are reinventing their fields and building a new landscape for the arts. I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. For this episode, I was very excited to welcome Art Restart's first fashion designer guest. Her name is Naila Hassan. In 2019, after 15 years of working for some of the country's top designers, Nyla decided to create her own fashion line. A few complications, not the least of which was a pandemic, delayed the planned debut of the line. But in the fall of 2021, her dream became a reality when she launched fashion brand The Other. The Other quickly made waves for its graceful blending of South Asian and Western influences and its use of inventive as well as traditional South Asian techniques in handiwork. The line was profiled in the New York Times and Vogue, and given that the clothes are all made to order, Nyla is currently preparing a third production cycle since the launch to meet demand. Nyla spoke to me from her home in Brooklyn. I asked her how she decided to create her own line of clothing, and specifically how she settled on the name The Other. I had been working in the industry for quite a while and I had left my job, you know, needed a bit of a reset and was kind of at this point in my life where I was reevaluating what I wanted out of my life from every facet, you know, from, you know, a creative standpoint, from a personal standpoint. It was kind of this pivotal moment for me in my personal life. I had a daughter like a year and a half prior. And it really shifted my perspective on my responsibility as a a human being on this earth and how I would leave it to my children. And also at the same point, I was really reflecting upon my own identity and how I want to kind of bring my children up in this world. I live in New York City and it's a very diverse environment. And it's mostly why I've stayed, you know, along with being in the fashion industry and it being in New York, there was so much that connected me to staying here. But at the same time, how I navigate this space as someone who's mixed race, as well as how would I instill like the cultural traditions that I grew up with or that I didn't grow up with that I'm interested in, you know, taking that on. And so all these things kind of came to a head for me. You know, for me, I I'm not a designer that's all about the ego and wants the fame and fortune. I just want to make some cool stuff and I just want to put it out there in the world and share my work. Like with the name The Other, I really, it kind of was a reflection of how I saw myself as someone who's lived and grown up into polarizing cultures. I lived in Lahore, Pakistan for um, about half of my childhood. I also lived in and was born and raised in Connecticut, where my mother grew up. 
I always had been toggling between these two polarizing cultures and always, I always felt like another, I didn't fit into either place. Um, I always felt like I just was an outsider. And because I took on these two different cultures in different ways and kind of, I needed to assimilate or kind of blend in to, to fit in. A lot of immigrants have that same kind of um, narrative, but mine felt a bit different because I was born here and I lived here until I was 10 years old. So sorry, that's a bit of a, a long backstory of like how things kind of shaped who, you know, I am as an adult and why I decided to kind of go about doing something on my own after doing the thing for other people, like designing for other people. I really was interested in like making something of my own that I didn't really feel like existed at least in American fashion, which represented a large majority of people here who have a narrative that hasn't really been included in the American narrative. To me, fashion is about storytelling. It's my medium of art and the way that I want to express this narrative that has existed in America through fashion is by showing who are these outsiders kind of living on the periphery that have been here for a very long time. And they've come to a point where, you know, second, third, fourth generations in, and they're still excluded from this narrative. It's been like, it's been, it was like a very conceptual thing for a long time. I started thinking about it in 2019 and it was just this idea, this idea of the other. The other came to me very quickly, and it was kind of inspired off of those like government forms where you have to check a box of <laughs> what race you are right. or ethnicity. And I, I never felt represented in that as well. I was like, well, I'm more than one. And, you know, sometimes it would just say like check one. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of, why is this so hard? Like, why is checking a box so difficult? I don't fit into these boxes that society imposes on on us as a collective. And so that kind of idea and concept then evolved into like, how do I translate that into fashion? I don't want to make stuff for the sake of making stuff. There's enough stuff in the world. So coming at design in a way that's responsible from the get-go versus like, you know, how the industry has been existing, you know, fashion industry specifically. And everyone's kind of like backpedaling to like, okay, how can I make my process more sustainable. I'm like, well, if I'm starting off from scratch, I might as well think about this as a larger picture. Wow, there's 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 a lot to unpack there, including the sustainability part of it. But I'm curious because uh, I'll include in the show notes, I'll include a link to your collection so people can see it themselves. But since you're talking about fashion as storytelling and you're talking about creating the other to kind of bridge these two cultures from which you come. I'm wondering if you can describe a piece in your collection and how you think it reflects the mission of the other. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. As I've been approaching designing the first collection, which I had started in 2020, I was like, I had a few pieces in mind of like, this is what I want to put out there that reflects both cultures to me. And I felt like it had been co-opted the narrative of this particular item, which is a corta, it had been co-opted by a lot of quote unquote Western or global Northern brands that would exoticize or like make this very bohemian piece and call it a tunic. And so 
I designed um, a kurta that actually reflected the design details of things that I think about of, of clothing that my father wore growing up when I lived in Pakistan. And so there are certain design details in there that's very nuanced that might not be noticed right away, but it's something that's very intentional. The kurta that I designed, um, I did it in a few different ways. The cotton version is in like a menswear stripe shirting and everything is very intentional in terms of the the juxtaposition between like the you know masculine and feminine details i have uh hand embroidered motifs that reflect like a very south asian kind of islamic art reference but there's squared armholes which is very traditional in a kurta and there's side slits but everything's kind of done in a way that's like slightly like remixed and that's the word I use because it's it's not like a modern update, quote unquote. It's how I interpret it. And so the Kortha not a tunic is what I named it <laughs> in in the sense of like reclaiming the origins of what that item actually is. And so it's a little tongue in cheek because I feel like I see like tunic used all the time and I'm like, but it's actually a Kortha. So and the and a Kortha is like a garment that's not just from, you know, the South Asian diaspora. It's, you know, it's widely worn around the world from a lot of global Southern nations and cultures. And so it's really celebrating that as well. I read somewhere, I forget where, you, you used a term I'd never heard before, code flexing, <laughs> which I guess yeah. is, a, is a version or is a kind of code switching, is based on code switching. What, what does it mean and how does it manifest in your work? Sure. So code flexing is a, a term that I coined with a friend. And you know, her and I were talking about this idea of how we navigate the world as someone who is you know, POC. Or BIPOC. And a lot of times we find ourselves code switching and we're conforming to the spaces that we enter. So we kind of read the room and, you know, kind of flip on or off certain aspects of ourselves to adjust and assimilate to the surroundings around us. And I was just thinking more and more about it. I'm like, but why do we have to do that? We should be who we are and all that we are in all the spaces we exist or flex between these different aspects of who we are on our terms, not based on who's in the room. You know, the more that we had been talking about this idea, well, it's not actually switching. Like let's not have that on and off switch there anymore. Like what if it's this kind of pulsing, flexing, more like organic kind of form that exists within us that, as we're moving from different spaces that we move through, like between personal and professional spaces, different cultural spaces that we exist in, if, especially if we're, you know, a part of different multicultural settings, you know, flexing the aspects that we want to showcase, that we want to be present. And so code flexing became this term that we started using and that, I really started being interested in expressing how I design around and how I I actually personally navigate through the different places that I'm present in. When thinking about that with design, it is really inherently in how I design. It's kind of hard to like dissect, okay, like what is it and what is it not? 
And so like the Korta is a perfect example where for me, I can flex between different cultural codes wearing something like that. The way that I designed it, it can live in many different cultural codes and settings. And how I show up in those spaces really reflects like that part of me. It might be more subtle to some people. You know, I've been thinking a lot about how I style my clothing, you know, having lived in Pakistan and having to fit to the cultural codes there, there are certain things you can and cannot wear as a woman in that country. And so adapting to those codes, but on my own terms is something that I had to navigate a lot growing up. And so as I had gone back to Pakistan as an adult, trying not to then, okay, well, here's my South Asian wardrobe I got to bring with me. It's like, okay, well, what can I pull from my own wardrobe to bring there where I still can feel like myself, but I'm not necessarily like totally standing out like, oh, who's that American over there wearing a short skirt or something like that, uh, which is like not okay over there. And right. So as you were setting up your business, were there ways that you knew you wanted it to be run differently from the rest of the fashion industry? So a lot of brands, globally, this is not just in this country, overdevelop. And that basically means is they design these gigantic collections, they order tons of fabric, and they don't necessarily use all the fabric, they don't necessarily sell all those products that they're designing. What do they do with all this excess waste? So there's all this overconsumption of fabric and of resources before it even hits the market, before customers even see it. Some of it doesn't make it to the light of day. So like, you know, working for bigger brands, I learned that that actually burns out the people who are working on the actual product. It doesn't necessarily lead to a better product because designing more doesn't mean it's better. So how I kind of approach designing my collections is at a slower pace and it's a tighter collection. It's less quote unquote stuff. It's like more curated and it's every single piece I believe in. And I, when I offer it up to the customer, I make what's actually wanted. So everything is made to order instead of guessing. Oh. Yeah. So instead of guessing, oh, well, my projections of sales is XYZ. Like, obviously, like I'm a new brand, so I don't even know what those projections are. But a lot of companies, they have these projected goals and they produce X amount of pieces to hit the minimums that they have with factories. What I do instead is I have pre orders and customers order what they like in the size that they are. And at the end of the pre order cycle, I take those orders and I give them to the factory and will produce what's actually ordered. That way I'm able to control, you know, my environmental footprint, but also like not order too much fabric and also like maintain an easier workflow with the workers that um, I'm partnered with. Caring more about the people and the product and how the product's made is something that I've been really interested in. So that's not always considered in a lot of other companies, like the actual people and their livelihoods. So you had to... Let's see. The idea started in 2019. Yeah. Your first orders went out in fall of last year? Yeah. So I know. It's right? a long journey. Wow. So. so in that year and a half, also there was a pandemic. You, you had yeah. to... Uh, 
you had to gather up your workforce in South Asia. And what what was the biggest hurdle for you in that <laughs> crucial year and a half? Uh, there's so many. <laughs> so I had and what timeline. kept you going? Actually, yeah. Oh my god, um, I'm laughing because it was such a journey. I started the fall of 2019. I was like, okay, I'm going to launch in 2020. This is going to happen. Early 2020, I was like, oh, you know, I want to actually take a moment. This is before the pandemic started, and I wanted to take a pause. I wanted to like really shift into. Um, manufacturing in South Asia before I was making everything here. And I had a slightly different spin on to my idea. And so the idea evolved, which is for the best. And I made a trip to Pakistan in March, 2020, in the hopes of finding a manufacturing partner there and developing product there. And I did do- So some I'm, of this us. is just before the lockdown, I this guess. This is March be. 1st. Yeah. So wow. okay. <laughs> I was four months pregnant at the time. I traveled over there by myself and I was like, I'm going to make this happen. This is going to happen. I will will this into the world. I don't <laughs> care. No one's going to stop me. Not a pandemic, not a pregnancy, not like any other factory who like flakes out on me. No. So <laughs> it was like my pure will into getting this into existence really that kept me going. But yeah, so I, I went to Pakistan, started working there, pandemic hit hit some difficulties there. So had to shift, started working with a factory in India and they were also kind of new to the space of open during a time where, you know, the pandemic was, they were like a, they were a couple years old um, factory at that time. And so they were looking for business and, you know, we found each other through mutual connections and past experiences. And so we started working together late 2020. So during that time of 2020, it was like I had a baby and then I was like, okay, like regrouping and trying to figure out, okay, how do I shift and make this happen still? Found this connection and then things started rolling. So the beginning of 2021 um, is when things really started rolling and getting products developed over there and working with the artisans there on like tie-dye techniques, embroidery techniques, on the styles. I did a lot of pattern making here and was working with them super closely. Like WhatsApp is our most used form of communication where they're sending me photos of the techniques that they're doing or the patterns or the garments. And we're able to work through the design process that way too. Got the collection together and had it all in my hands by August. Developing a collection usually is like a six to eight month process. So I was like coming at it where it was later than I wanted it to be. Like I, I wanted to launch earlier, but I was like, you know what? I have it. I need to do it. The way that I went about launching it and how I formulated and offer my products is different than um, most companies um, where I had like one big collection, well, quote unquote, big collection. It's like 20 pieces. It's not that big. And I divided them up into drops. And so I'm able to offer new products through a span over like eight months, like it's a very curated selection. So I'm not offering hundreds of products every month, like most fast fashion companies do. I'm instead offering five to eight products every few months, and they're able to pre-order what 
um, is current, but also what I already showed. Because as a new brand, you're in the state of discovery. Like people are discovering your brand. And what I had realized from past experiences is that customers will find you and then they'll love what you did a few months ago, but you don't offer it anymore. And so there's no opportunity for them to be a part of that momentum on, you know, for them and for also for you. And so I had thought about that in a different way where I'm like, well, I can still offer the products I offered in September now in March and it's okay because there's people discovering right, my it's work. Made to order. It's made to order and it's just, and they're discovering my work months later. And like, it's not like everyone's going to discover me on day one. And it's also going to take a few years. So like I'm designing pieces that I can offer even in future collections, maybe done in a slightly different way, but like the base is there. I'm basically working on building that foundational product and design. The hardest part about this first collection is I designed it so so long ago and having to sit with it for longer and having to appreciate it and loving and like, you know, appreciating my own work, wearing my work and having to talk about it for so long with people like months and months and you know, like a year and change later um, and still have to maintain that same ex excitement for it. Whereas when I've worked for other companies in design, I'm designing six months ahead. Once I show that collection, I'm designing the next collection. I don't need to stop and sit and sell my product that I designed. I move on to the next. So it's a little bit of a shift in pace. What are your dreams for the other? How how big do you want it to get? Or I I feel like I'm such a dreamer. I have so many ideas for the company, for the brand. I like hate calling it a company because it is a company and I have to make money in order to do what I love to do, but I see it as this thing that's much bigger than myself. And I'm really interested in in going into other spaces within the arts, collaborating with other artists on different projects that, you know, expand what the other is and go deeper into it. So I'm really interested in like film. I'm like curious about NFTs. I'm curious, you know, like I, I'm just a curious person. And so. Oh, so you think the other might be a bigger umbrella than just fashion? Yeah, for sure. I see. Have you started any other of the other any other new projects or collaborations? I'm, I'm in the beginnings of, you know, working on those things. And so I will kind of update you as those things come up, you know, post this podcast. But I am really interested in, in the storytelling piece and bringing stories to life in a way that isn't necessarily done within fashion. And so, you know, one small example of how I've been trying to do that within, you know, within my means at this point in time is um, I've been profiling individuals from different backgrounds and I have this series called, where are you from? It's basically like a photo essay. It's like an Instagram format right now, but I'm working on building more behind that. So that's the project that I am currently working with. I'm collaborating with someone on, on the writing piece and hopefully on the photography piece too. And you know, highlighting these individuals' journeys. It's not just like, it's not about what these people do. It's like how they got to be who they are. What's their story? And when they're asked, where are they from? 
how do they unpack that? Because some, for some people, that question's loaded. Like for me, it is. And I don't, I don't have a, a simple answer for that question. And I started digging more into it and talking with other people. And it's not just others who have like a mixed race background. It could be third culture kids, transracial adoptees, second, third generation immigrants or first generation immigrants, and so much more beyond that. And so it's been this really interesting process of meeting people, interviewing them. I'm so inspired by their stories because sometimes they really catch me by surprise and how rich and how authentic their story is and how it's not represented in the narrative, in the larger narrative of the American narrative. That's something that like, I really, it's not like fueling my business in any way and I don't care for it to. It's more of like, this is my inspiration and it and fuels my creativity in a different way by kind of connecting with people on a deeper level. If you'd like to learn more about Nyla and read a longer version of this interview, please head to uncsa.edu slash artrestart. You'll also be able to see some of Nyla's beautiful designs on that page. I would love to hear what kinds of artists you'd like to hear from in upcoming episodes. You can drop me a line on Twitter and Instagram at PCTalenti. Our theme music is by Shanghai Restoration Project. I'm Kierkarla Talenti, and on behalf of the Keenan Institute for the Arts, thank you for listening.